welcome to a special self-indulgent edition of the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen. Uh, usually, we talk about local issues on the Door County Pulse podcast. Uh, Andrew Clyden is usually here with me, and we take you through the stories of the day and the week in the Peninsula Pulse. But uh, today, if you don't like the Chicago Bulls and you don't like Michael Jordan, you can probably just skip this episode. Tomorrow night, there is a first episode of the Last Dance documentary, which is a documentary about the 1990s Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. I am a child of the 90s. I'm just a little bit of a fan of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And I couldn't let this thing start without um, taking a chance to go down memory lane and talk about that 90s Bulls team that had a huge impact on me and a lot of people in my generation. So... I needed to find somebody who had the level of appreciation for the Bulls that I had. And I had to reach back to an old college buddy of mine, Keith Pirro, who lives in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. So here you go. A podcast all about the 90s Bulls, Michael Jordan, and basketball. Hope you like it. If you don't, just shut it off. Um, this might be our least listened to podcast of all time, but uh, I really don't care. All right, Keith. Thanks for uh, hopping on the phone with me here to uh, talk one of my favorite subjects in the world, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, it's, uh, I've always remembered you as as uh, as a fan of this this topic, <laughs> even though even though you have your Wisconsin roots deep, which is always it's, it's an interesting uh, interesting situation. Yeah, it's a it's a how, how much you love this. Yeah, I don't know. Like I was always a big. Milwaukee Bucks, like Paul Pressey, Jack Sigma era Bucks fan too. But mm-hmm. I think the combination of my parents having been from Chicago originally, and then my sisters, I had three older sisters that were all going to college in the city of Chicago at DePaul and University of Chicago as the uh, Jordan Jordan era was exploding. And they got kind of engulfed in it. And, you know, I was eight to 10 years old and anybody who was eight to 10 years old in the night, late late eighties, early nineties, um, it's pretty hard to miss Michael Jordan. Yes, yes, it was. It's, it's interesting now, um, you know, because I was always a Chicago fan and a Bulls fan, and I, f- I feel like with the Bucks versus the Bulls, there's, has there ever been a time when both teams have been good? Well, that late eighties era, like actually early in Jordan's career, the Bucks were the better team. Um, they were, they were, yeah, yeah. That was, you know, his ascendancy was about, you know, when they started to decline. Um, you know, because I, I look at right now and. You know, I, I root more for the Bucks than I do the Bulls. Yeah, you know? oh, same here. I, I, and, I, and I don't feel I don't feel like I'm betraying anything. Like they they just never have have been a real big rivalry. You know, between the two. No, I mean they had um, in that late '80s era where you had like the the beautiful hair of Jack Sigma, uh, Paul Mokeski, and <laughs> Paul Pressey, Terry mm-hmm. Cummings, Alvin Robertson. Like that Bucks team. Alvin Robertson, yeah, was really fun. And they are actually like, if not for the Celtics in the '80s. Yeah. Like that Bucks team might have actually gone to the NBA Finals at uh, one or yeah. two of those years. They they were really solid, like fifty to fifty six wins every single year. Um, Del Harris coaching them back then, but I feel like they played the Celtics tough in the playoffs. I don't I don't remember yeah. remember exactly, but they they gave them a run. They never they never could beat them. But oh, and then and Marcus Johnson and Sidney Moncrief. I mean, there were some great Bucks teams back then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then and Jordan's teams were more of like Michael and nobody else. And they'd, he'd somehow mm-hmm. pull them to like 41 wins, get them in the playoffs, and they'd lose in the first or second round. But then, of course, by the 90s, the Bucks went to the Todd Day, 
era and just <laughs> that faded. <Marbury>. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Those those teams were terrible. Um but yeah. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Kenosha County. Okay. Out near almost almost near Lake Geneva. And you know that that area was definitely fifty fifty as far as as far as Chicago versus, you know, Wisconsin sports fans. Um especially at that time with the Bears being the better team, you know, in the late eighties. Um, and well, throughout the, throughout the eighties, but, you know, I was coming of age like you in the, in the late eighties and nineties, and you know, the bears, the bears were the team, you know, there. So it was, it was, it was an interesting, interesting time that, uh, the bears were still, Wisconsin, but they were still playing professional football at that time, correct? Yeah, they, they were. <laughs> yes, that's correct. This was, this was pre, uh, pre the replay game, right? <laughs> That that is one of the great games of my life. That's like that is that is a turning point. That was a turning point in that whole rivalry. Yeah, I I was. That's maybe the most I've ever screamed in joy at the end of a sporting event was <laughs> the Magic oh, Man to Sterling Sharp. That was a rough one. Um, that was a rough one. I don't think my grandmother knew what was going on and why I was running around the house like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so yeah, now you have the the. The Last Dance documentary coming out in tomorrow night, this first episode. Um, mm-hmm. I've been excited about this since I think the first time we saw the trailer, almost like 18 months ago. And honestly, like I've heard the rumors about all this like lost footage that was stored up for years. Bill Simmons will talk about it sometimes and like the struggle to, yeah. for someone to get the rights to make this thing. And it's kind of odd to think of as much as they were covered at that time. It's, it's It'll be amazing to see if they actually, if new stuff is able to be found out of this because nobody was covered like the Chicago Bulls of the nineties. Yeah. 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 They certainly were. I mean, obviously Jordan Jordan the most, but I, so I was just reading something that, uh, that Adam Silver was, was actually involved in this back, back then. Yeah. Were um, you, is this that Jackie Mc, Mc, McMullen article or is this a different uh, USA today? Okay. Where I don't know who, who wrote this and I haven't, I haven't even read the whole thing yet, but, um, but yeah, it was just, it was just interesting to see that, 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 that name was, was there that yeah they decided and, and and from what they said they you know as it, it says as much coverage as the bulls were getting no one was doing still like a documentary style um coverage if you will um so it will be interesting to see how much and i i feel like maybe there will be something new on earth here as, as hard as that that does seem to to believe I, I can't believe he would do it but i would be great if jordan was just like yep just put it all out there let's get the video of me punching steve kerr in the face let's <laughs> Let's put that in this thing. Yeah, right. Practice footage would be very interesting. I oh, don't know how much of that they have. That would be inc- but that, incredible. Is is there anybody else that you've ever heard of in in um, in practices that was as intense as Jordan? I mean, Kevin Garnett's the only one that comes to mind. Um, okay. Some of the stories about Garnett going, um, like they'd pull him out of practice, and he'd get so pissed off at his coach because he felt like he <laughs> needed to play all the time that they'd pull him out and then he'd start doing the suicide sprints where you hit every line and he'd just be doing oh those on God. the sideline until the coach would be like, okay, fine, here, just play. Like you're <laughs> like load management was not a thing that Kevin Garnett understood. Right? And he was, uh-huh. and if you ever watch old Kevin Garnett highlights, you'll see like anytime somebody would take a shot, like after the buzzer, that wasn't going to count. He always went and ripped it when it was getting near the bucket. So that guy couldn't get the satisfaction of of getting a rhythm or seeing his shot go in. He just, he, he hated people who <laughs> took that shot and he'd always go and either swat it away or rip it down. Uh-huh. 
Um, but that's the only one like Jordan. I mean, you just heard there's just legendary stories of him just going all out every single day in practice. And it's a yeah, it's amazing because this is one thing I wanted to talk about because I well, a lot of guys like when Kobe died, uh, there was a lot of talk like where does he rank? And there are some people who mm-hmm. who think like they, they got to be like LA people with blinders on that think he is uh, better than MJ. And then of course there's been a lot of talk about LeBron possibly being better than Michael Jordan. Um, yep. And what what's your where do you stand on that? Yeah, um, I don't know. When when I look at you know if you just look at numbers, you can I think you can maybe make the case that there's others, but you a few different ways to look at it, right? Jordan, um, I think was defensively better than those, and those are harder to put numbers on. I mean, there's metrics nowadays, but I don't think you can go back retroactively, mm-hmm. right? I think Jordan's defense was probably uh, a step above above those guys, um, and obviously he's obviously he sat out what five years, four years. Um, oh, MJ. Yeah, yeah. When you look at career numbers. Oh right? yeah, he he, um, he sat out those two. Before the, between the three peats, and then he sat out what two more years before he came back with the Wizards. With the Wizards, yeah, yeah. those were post prime years, but they they still would have been great years, right? Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, I I don't think they do now. At the same time, if Le, if LeBron plays six more years or seven more years, I I don't I don't know. I don't I don't think I you know it goes back to one of those things like Jordan was you know for us we're 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 going to be biased. He, he was around while we were growing up, right? It's like your favorite band. You, you, there's, there's nothing that hits you like, like that age, when you're that age. So, so it's, always, it's always tough to be, to be practical about it in that sense. But, I mean, I just like the way Jordan played. I mean, LeBron, you see the lack of, I don't, there, there isn't the all-out. I can't imagine LeBron practicing like Michael Jordan must have practiced. Right. It, to go back to go back to that, I don't I don't see that. But maybe maybe that's the maybe that's today's NBA as well with the whole load management and and things like that. But um, you look at the minutes Jordan played and uh, and the, supposedly the way he practiced. Well, I looked is, at I was looking up some stats because as as you might recall, I am kind of a, a stat geek when it comes to some uh-huh. certain, certain sports. Um, the and and you the reason I called you is probably because you're the one who might might have exceeded me on that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was definitely a definitely a, a numbers guy, that's for sure. Um, but the the numbers, so I looked up LeBron's numbers and I looked up Jordan's numbers and LeBron actually is like his minutes per game are pretty astounding. Um, yeah. And obviously his counting stats from playing for as long as he has at that peak and it's funny that you said, you know, if LeBron plays 6 or 7 more years and I don't think either of us really like batted too much of an eye at that. <laughs> like the guy's 35 mm-hmm, right. and we're like, you know, feasibly yeah. if he plays until he's 42. <laughs> yeah. Which seems like he, like the way he, the way he does uh, care for his body and the way he talks, it seems like that's what he wants to do. So, yeah. That, that is, that is crazy. It's insane. Like you just always wait for him to break. And I thought last year when he missed 30 games and it seemed like he finally was starting to break down and I was like, okay, it, he is mortal, but now he's, you know, until the stoppage this year was just rolling along. But the yeah. thing with, even with LeBron's durability, it just still does not match this, like the most amazing stat of Jordan's career. Uh, on top of leading the league in scoring every single year, and on top of winning every title, but he played mm-hmm. every single game of all six Bulls championship seasons. And then yeah. he played every single game of his final season with the Wizards at age 39. And after he broke his foot in his second season, the rest of his entire NBA career until he went to the Wizards, he missed seven games. 
So wow. And they played in every single Bulls playoff game. That's 179 playoff games. That's another two plus seasons. And he's yeah, playing 37 minutes per game. In the playoffs, he's playing 42 minutes a game. And it's just amazing. Like you think LeBron has missed, I, I checked it out, it's like 92 games in his career. Um, just doing like the difference of being out there every single night and playing at the level Jordan did versus taking six to 10 games off a year and just giving yourself that much more rest. That's a huge mm-hmm. difference. Nobody, nobody does that today. So here's the question. If Jordan was playing today, would he allow this? You know, cause load management's the way to go, right? That's, that's the way that every team is almost every team. I, I, I guess I don't know it know for sure, but that's the way teams are looking at it. Would, would Jordan go along with that? Would I, he be okay with it? I can't imagine he would. There was one thing that he said in his career once he goes, like when he would play with like a sprained ankle and you'd see these pictures of him on the team playing with the, like the electrodes on his knees and Mm -hmm. his ankles just, he'd just take trash cans full of ice and water and just dump his ankles in there overnight and um, play in sick. But he said, he's like every, for every game I play, there's somebody there who's never seen me play. And that's, that's who I'm playing for. And nowadays it seems like people are so, easily like, yeah, I'm going to take the day off. But it did seem like Jordan actually, maybe it was part of his brand. Um, maybe it was just him being ruthless, but he, he never missed those games if he could possibly play. Um, yeah. And then, so then as a, as a fan, like think of the value of that. Like if I bought tickets to see the Lakers and play yeah. the Bucks, I, I would feel like, yeah, there's about a 30% chance I'm actually going to get to see LeBron and Giannis go head to head. And yeah. any star. That's- I think that's a big problem in, in the NBA. Yeah, that they're. I mean, obviously they do fine. Don't they find teams occasionally for for some healthy scratches and things like that? But that's it's it's something they're going to have to deal with. Yeah, and, and figure out a solution to. And when Jordan was playing, you if you got Bulls tickets, you were going to see Michael play. I mean, you could yep. set your calendar to it. And and uh, being the geek I was, I definitely set m- my weekly calendar in in the <laughs> NBA season around. For me, it would be those national TV games because. Um, we didn't have cable in Egg Harbor growing up, so I didn't I didn't even get to watch like the Sports Center highlights. So if they were on on the on the weekend, I taped the Bulls games yeah, on my VCR right. so I could watch them later because I was missing so many games. Like I, I would be so um, bummed out and pissed off, frankly, when I'd find out that <laughs> Jordan scored sixty nine against the Cavs last night. And yeah, we didn't have WGN or Sports Channel. I think was the other one that covered carried all the games in Chicago at the time. So I would only find out when I read the Tribune at my grandma's house the next day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, so that was, that was, uh, that was a good part of being, uh, being in Southern Wisconsin is we didn't have cable either, but we did have WGN over the air. Right. So we saw, we saw quite a few Bulls games. Um, I, I don't remember what the package or how often, maybe it was all the games. I don't know. It seemed like they were always on. So we were pretty, we were pretty lucky. I hated people like you. To be able to see them. <laughs> I still remember like my buddy Andy Warfel having me over and he's like, you don't have sports center. And I was like, I don't even, what is that? He's like, I, I must have been like 10 right. or 12. It's like, it's this show that's nothing but sports highlights. It's like the news only it's all the sports section of the it's news. All sports, yeah. I, I was, my mind was blown and I went over to his house and it was like a big thing. They were like here, it was like revealing something to me. Um, <laughs> About this different world that existed. <laughs> yeah. So I would well, go to people's houses just to watch Sports Center. Just to watch Sports Center. You well, you probably watched the George Michael Sports Machine. Oh, I did. Yeah. Is, if I could stay yeah. up late enough on a Sunday night. All right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That was a big. That was a big deal. But I was probably like that was a big deal. in that last era of kids who 
Um, this sounds really like a quaint bygone era, but like my childhood was like, I was actually still imagining some of my favorite athletes through the box scores and the, the game reports in the paper the next day versus yeah. actually getting ever able to see all those games. I would listen to Milwaukee Brewers games. If I could get an AM channel, like I remember one of Jordan's shots to beat the Cavs, not the shot, but the one over Gerald Wilkins years later, I remember listening uh-huh. to that on a, a barely um, understandable fuzzed out AM radio call um, yes. when he hit that. Um, Cause once in a while you could get that up here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In the, in the evenings. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember anything specific listening, listening to a sporting event on the radio, but I, I definitely, I definitely did that. Like I'd have that on while I was like going to sleep or whatever. So. <laughs> um, just so you know where, where I'm recording this in my garage and uh-huh. in my garage is a interesting combination of, Packers, memorabilia, Door County posters, and then a Chicago wall where I have like my (laughs) assorted Michael Jordan Sports Illustrated covers. And then my wife is from the Chicago area and a diehard Bears fan. So she gets a couple of Bears things on one wall tucked into the corner. Nice. Um, Only Walter, though. That's what I can respect. Okay, that's all you allow? Yeah. (laughs) There's a Walter Payton Wheaties box. There's a... Oh, and they do have the, the Super Bowl shuffle on vinyl. I, that is also in my bar next to a lot more Packers stuff. Um, and then she's yeah. White Sox family. So I am looking at the Michael Jordan hologram Sports Illustrated as I talk to you right now. And, and Michael's looking at me as how I like to think about it. I don't know if you remember that cover. <laughs> I don't I don't remember that cover, but I, I do love that story. I think it's one of the, the story of Michael playing baseball is is really one of my, it might be my favorite part of him. I, 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 I feel that somebody who, was the best in the world at something, which he undoubtedly was, goes and steps away and then doesn't like leave the public sphere, but goes and, you know, out in public, tries something that he's not great at and is willing to put himself out there and say, I'm, I'm just going to work at this and try to get, try to get better at it. And, and, you know, try, try to, try to make a go of this. Like that, that takes a, a special person, I think, to, to be willing to put yourself out out there like that when you're the best in the world at something else and you could just easily keep going on with that. Yeah, that that first retirement, I mean, I remember when he retired cuz he threw out the first pitch at the at the White Sox game in the I think the the ALDS or the well, that at that time they didn't have the division series. I think it was just the AL Championship Series back when Frank Thomas mm-hmm. and Jack McDowell were the big guys. Yeah. Um and he throws out the first pitch, and then sometime during that game, they the rumor is reported that he's going to announce his retirement, and I was just like, there's no way that's true. And then when he <laughs> did, I mean, I was so bummed out. Um, I, that was That's up there with the Packers losing uh, in a Super Bowl that never happened against the Broncos. Um, <laughs> but, company. <laughs> the, but yeah, when he retired, and then when he goes to the White Sox, I was like, okay, I get to still watch Michael. And obviously, it wasn't the same. But then I would read Bob Green, the later um, defamed columnist for the Tribune for so long, would write these columns about Jordan practicing down in spring training and stuff, and like how long he would practice and how yeah. much he would work. And it was it's weird because people were just ripping him for even trying this. But meanwhile, he's down there like working harder than everybody else in the minors, and like. Right. And his hands are yeah. bleeding, and um, and by the end of it, he, long, go ahead. I was just gonna say, how long was it between his retirement and then his announcement to baseball? I don't remember that period because it wasn't right away, right? He didn't announce it, his retirement and then say, "I'm going to go play baseball." 
at the same time, did he? It wasn't immediate, but I think it was like if he retired in October, I think he it was be maybe he just like decided he was doing spring training or maybe it was in January that he maybe said it. But okay, so it was a, it was few, a months. few months. Yeah. And he might have been working at it, I'm guessing, for a while before right. that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, but as bad as he was at baseball, like as bad as people remember him being, um, Terry Francona, the guy the mm-hmm. was his manager at the Birmingham Barons and later went on to be the manager and win a World Series with the Red Sox. I think it was him who said that like he has no doubt that Jordan was going to end up in the major leagues. Yeah, that was so when I wrote the or uh, saw the documentary that Jordan rides the bus, um, which is which is a great thirty for thirty. Uh, I didn't realize that he stopped playing baseball because of the strike when the when the players went on strike, and I I wonder if that hadn't happened, you know what what his trajectory would have would have been. Would he have stuck with baseball, or you know would we be having this discussion? Would this would he have come back to basketball? I, I it's hard to imagine him not having not coming back to basketball ever, but. Um, I, I wonder what would have happened if he would have stuck with it. Yeah, because it seems almost like, of course, that was, you know, everything in hindsight, like everything in hindsight now says, like, of course, we would close bars and restaurants. <laughs> but um, right. at the time, it was, okay, he's coming back. Well, how is he going to, is he going to be any better this year? And um, he did end up, what, what is his batting average? He got over 200. And then yeah, he, he just over 200, I, I believe. Um, and I think like the clip of him hitting his, his first home run in the minor leagues um, is one of the coolest ones because you see him and he points up to his dad. It, it was clear that he was um, playing baseball because of his his dad's murder and yeah. like kind of reconnecting with his father. Um, yeah. But he he was actually decent. I think he led double A in stolen bases. Um, his fielding had improved dramatically. So I don't know, maybe a couple more years. But then on the other hand, he'd also be getting like 32, 33 years old at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, and obviously he was a right fielder, so it wasn't like his, you know, even if he was decent at defense, it was, it was still at right field. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, I mean, look at it. If he would have done it for two, three more years, you know, what, what could he have, where, where could he have been at? So yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great what if. Um, And then like, I think some of the more impressive things about him are like that baseball span and then coming back and actually being good enough after not playing for a year and a half, he comes back and he, he wasn't stellar in that year when they went and played against the Orlando Magic and lost. Um, and he had a couple of big gaffes in those playoffs that have kind of been wiped. I think NBA TV, does, does, those don't exist anymore. But he, he still averaged like 27 a game after being gone for yeah. two years and just coming in midseason. Yep. Um, and then they actually had a chance to beat that Orlando team. And they, I think they lost in six. But um, Yep, that's right. And that was so... Horace was on those teams then, right? Horace was on the Magic, the Magic team yeah, as well. Yep, that's right. Yeah, that was that was a very interesting story, and he played a big part, big part in that series. Yeah, he was huge against them. I totally forgot about that. I remember, yeah. like, I, I loved Horace Grant when he was on the first Bulls three P team, and then I just hated him playing for Orlando. <laughs> hated him there. Um, yeah, no, I was I loved Horace Grant too, and um, yeah, some of those other players. I mean, you think Pippen and Grant were both in the same draft. Right. Yeah. Whatever that was, 80, 88, 89. I mean, what what a draft class that is to have those two. And and I think some of the stuff I've been reading about this documentary is how much Jordan talks about the the role that Pippen played. Um, I was just listening to a podcast with Zach Lowe where he talked about how Pippen could basically guard every single position on the floor at any time, and uh-huh. sometimes all in one possession, you can just rotate around. And 
like watching him and Jordan play defense, you'd just be like, man, what are what are teams thinking when they come up and they see those two guys with long arms and yeah. incredible explosiveness? Um, you know, when another thing, if you look back at Jordan highlights and sure, I'm sh- I'm sure you'd find a lot that where he traveled and stuff, but like as a having coached 10 years of high school and youth basketball, the great thing about him was his footwork was so perfect and his fundamentals were like ideal for coaching actually. So if you showed somebody Jordan tapes, you'd just be like, yeah, that is a perfect jab step. And that is a perfect shooting form. And he's stopping on a dime and going straight up and down. And like so many things that he did, you could actually show young players and be like, yeah, you're not going to be Jordan. You're not dunking. But I mean, just the footwork and, and things that he did, his footwork in the post, the way he played defense, it was like the textbook defensive stance is really I, I would show my players even that final shot against Utah. I would sometimes yep. show players that and I'd be like, forget about the fact that this is Jordan. Just look at the footwork. Look at him. Hold the release. Look, look at all these little parts of it. Like that's how you get to be that good. There's like not a flaw in that yeah, game. It, yeah, it's an interesting point because you think, I mean, because obviously he was high flying and he could, you know, do all these things athletically. But I never, I never really thought about it like that. He was fundamentally sound, right? Just just like you, just like you said, every, everything he did. I, mean, I just think of his of his defense as well. Um, every, everything was was textbook. And nowadays, like guys can get away, like your spin moves. There's that extra hop step every time that you couldn't uh-huh. get away with in the '80s. Um, if you watch that with any great player today, there's there's like that extra half step to a full step, and in some cases, two steps <laughs> that people can get. That you know, Patrick Ewing used to get that all the time, but I, I can't think. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, my son is, is 12 and we're, we're playing basketball and things like that. And he's like, is that a travel or not? And I'm like, I'm always like, it's going to be a travel for you, but it isn't in the NBA is, <laughs> is how I have to like phrase it. It's, it's just, it's weird. I, I don't know what to, what to show him, what, what he can get away with. It, it was hard for me coaching actually for a while because I was, I was stuck. You're, you're, you're always kind of stuck in whatever you played in and what was the mm-hmm. rule then. So I would get so ticked off at guys and I would really preach like not carrying because I used to get called for that in high school or yeah. th- these footsteps or no moving screens. And then I started to realize, oh, they don't call that stuff anymore. So then I actually had to change the way I coaching. So I would actually coach my guys to move on screens until they call <laughs> it. And I would. Uh-huh. Do, so instead of like me being pissed off at the other team and um yelling at the refs about it all game. I'm like, okay, we'll just start learning how to do that and this teaching our players to do that. it. Yeah. And the same yeah. thing with um, ball handling skills. I mean, you can you can get away with a little more manipulation than you ever could back in the day. You can get away with a little extra half, half step. I used to hate like the hop step that kids would take getting into a three-pointer because it was a travel. Yeah. And I was like, you're set, you're going to get called for that. And I'm, now, then after a while, I realized, no, no, you're not. You can just do that. That's okay. Fine. Yeah. Like why, why should I coach a more restrictive game when I'm playing against everyone else who's not. Yeah, yeah, you got to adapt to it, right? Um, you know, so there's so which, like, go ahead. I was just going to say, so which Bulls uh, big man would be shooting threes uh, <laughs> from, from, from this team? Would, would we see Luke Longley out there knocking down uh, long jumpers if he was playing uh, in today's game? Gosh, that is, you know who I can think of maybe being, and I don't know why I think of him, but Brian Williams, the one who they had for like a half year and then he died mysteriously yeah. on, a, on a boat somewhere. Um, for some reason, I could see him maybe stepping outside. I mean, Kukoc was like one of those first long big men who could shoot three. He was actually, yeah. I mean, today's game, Kukoc is probably somebody who shoots at least eight threes a game. Like that's yeah. that's his wow. role. He would, yeah, he would be he would be amazing in today's game. Not that he wasn't at the time too, but 
It's yeah, really it's, it's really hard to picture Longley stepping onto the three-point line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, even harder, and he wasn't on this team, but, you know, the first championship team is Bill Cartwright. There's no way. He'd have to totally <laughs> re-blow his shot. I don't think he could have physically gotten the ball to the hoop with that shot, with that form. Probably the ugliest jump shot that I've <laughs> yeah, ever seen, right? It took him I mean, forever, forever to load. There was no quick release with that guy. Is there is there any shot? I can't, I can't think of anybody who's uglier. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, Chris Dudley at the free throw line. Yeah, guess, that was but, pretty bad. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was it was interesting. Um, I had to go back to, to Kukoc. He was such an interesting, you know, nobody really knew that much about him, right? Because he was drafted by uh, Kraus and what still played in Europe for three years? years after he was drafted. And you just heard these rumors about him for three years, about this, the, yeah. the, the European Magic Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then 92 Olympics happened, right? And, and Pippen and Jordan, <laughs> did, they, did they go out of their way to like oh, yeah. they, guard they, him? And, yeah, they went into that game against, uh, what t- who, Kukoc was, was it? Croatian. Croatian, yeah. Um, yeah. They went after him like Dobermans and just tried to humiliate him. Because yeah. he was coming, he was a technically a Bulls organization player at that point, and Jerry yeah. Krause just would not stop talking about him. And right. meanwhile, underpaying Scottie Pippen, so it, it is kind of crazy that he still ended up being a teammate of theirs and a crucial part of the second threepeat, who loved playing with those guys, and yet they treated him like absolute dog shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it wasn't his fault. It was really Krause's fault, right? Yep. I mean, Krause. It was it was their hatred of Krauss and and then then Kukoc via via that. Um, but what a great move it was to to eventually get him. I mean, he was he was such a key part of those those three teams. I mean, some, and, and yeah, eventually they got along somehow. Some of uh, it, like I have a '98 Bulls championship DVD. Go figure. Um, mm-hmm. And at the end of it, there's like a f- six minute segment just about like that team in general. And they asked Tony Kukoc like. And they set it to like this really dramatic music. It's it's awesome, tearjerker. Um, <laughs> and they say like, "What are you gonna remember?" And he goes, "Every day, every day, I will remember every day." And he, it's just so poignant to see him just sort of like obviously it just so emotional and it meant so much to him to see it yeah. him end up there when he started with that that first experience with the Bulls was just so awful. And he actually made that Bulls team. I, I think. Uh, Maybe Ryan Rosillo was talking about this. Um, that Bulls team was kind of, everyone talked about Golden State being like this first small ball team that could shoot the three and play without a traditional big man. But those Bulls okay. teams were the yep. first ones to win without like a true center. And that second three-peat, like Rodman was basically the center on a lot of that in crunch time for them. And so right, it was Scotty, Jordan, Ron Harper, Kukoc, and Dennis Rodman. Like that's... Yep. A really unique lineup of like nobody over six seven. Yeah, so Kukoc was six ten, but he didn't play. You know, he was not a he was not a post like you said before. He wasn't really a post player. He was right. he was taller, but um, but yeah, he was a he was known to bang down low and grab rebounds and whatnot. Um, you know, the other thing that I think gets kind of a bad rap is Jordan's time with the Wizards, which was obviously it's not the old Jordan. He was like just heftier and stronger and more of a post player at that point, but. Mm-hmm. Age 38 and 39, his sec- his final season, he played all 82 games. The first season, he played like 62 because he had knee issues. Um, but he averaged 22 the first season and 20 points the second season and played like 38 minutes a game. That's insane. <laughs> like, yeah. 
so okay, like so what age what age was he at those at those those final years 38 and 39 yep that's nuts like yeah so and he was still he'd still he's the oldest guy to ever score 50 points i think unless i don't know if jamal crawford was older than him when he did it a year or two ago but uh-huh. um i mean even just to average 23 a game at that point like here it is like this diminished version of mj and he's still like top 10 in the league in scoring and it was considered and who this was huge... even on those teams with him i mean richard jefferson kwame brown until jordan blew up his kwame brain brown, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah yeah those those are those are uh yeah, nobody nobody thinks about those. I, I was I was waiting for you to bring those up. I remember you always being a fan of Yeah, I was a defender. A fan, a fan of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. If he came back today and scored four points a game, I'd I'd find a way to de- defend him and, and spin that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I can't I can't hide it. Um did you ever go? Did you ever see Jordan in per- in person? Did you ever see a Bulls game when he was playing? You know what? So we always we went um we would go to one game a year and always in Milwaukee. When, hmm. so, so when you were talking before, we, you know, we, we always went to a Bucks game. It was easier to get tickets than to, you know, to go down to uh, the stadium or to the United Center. So, so we'd, we'd see him there. And I can't, I can't say I remember anything definitively that happened in those, in those games. But obviously, I mean, they were um, probably majority, <laughs> vast majority Bulls fans at those, at those games. <laughs> I went to one. I didn't get to see it at Chicago Stadium. That would have been incredible. Um, because I anything you read, you, people will tell you Chicago Stadium, the old Chicago Stadium, was the loudest venue in sports. Um, yeah, I I went to one event there, but it was a it was a Blackhawks game, and it was against the Red Wings, and I was like nine or ten, something like that, and it certainly made an impression on me. I certainly heard language there that <laughs> that uh, did not hear. Did not hear at most sporting events. You know, it was it was a different it was a different place there uh, for a for a Blackhawks Wings game. Oh, Blackhawks games back then must before like it would have been so expensive to go to those games. Like back then, that must have been a, a very much a blue collar crowd. Right. Exactly. Yep. That was, and I, I just remember a lot of women just just swearing, <laughs> just yelling. <laughs> that that's like the only thing I really do remember. <laughs> I'm just picturing little little boy Keith Pirro looking wide eyed wonderment at these women just uh, dropping f bombs and curse words all around him. <laughs> yep, that is that is correct. Um, I got to see Jordan once in '97. Um, okay, went down to Chicago. I had like this amazing day. My sister got us tickets to the Bulls game, and it was me and my buddy Jamie. And we went and saw a Cubs game. It was my first game I ever saw at Wrigley. And in that game, Ryan Sandberg broke the record for home runs by a second baseman. And when he hit oh, the home run, good. they they played the uh, the theme song from The Natural. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was just like, is this is this what all home runs here are like? This is magical. <laughs> like the first time ever seeing the Ivy and everything. Right. And then yeah. uh, then we go to the Bulls game that night, and there were nosebleed tickets. I mean, the absolute last row of the stadium. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you you could barely see the court from there, but luckily you could watch the game basically on the replay board. And Jordan dropped fifty five on the Washington Bullets when they wow. had Chris Weber and Juwan Howard that team, um, Rod Strickland. But yeah, I I got to see him score fifty five. I can't really say that I felt like I actually saw very many of those in person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> basically, uh-huh. paid a lot to watch it on on a big TV. But yeah, it was pretty do you awesome. The, uh, 
Do you remember the announcement or like the uh, the introduction of the lineups? Because that, yes. that always gave me chills oh, every yeah. time watching that on TV. It was just the roar, the crescendo of when he would, of course, be announced last. It was it got me every time. Yeah, you couldn't hear it. You never heard his name. I think like yeah, the what was right. it the the announcer? What's his name? Ray Clay is he the guy? Who said, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I wouldn't remember that, but yep. He said, like, basically, I never could hear myself as soon as I got to from North Carolina. Yeah. And he's like, that, uh-huh. that yeah. was it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> um, and it, it was insanely loud. And they were, I actually read this whole oral history of how they came up with that starting lineup thing and how that uh-huh. just changed the way people do that all over the world and how they found the music. It's actually a great article. I'll, I'll try and find it and send it to you because just coming up with that Bulls theme music and they, they, I guess they toyed with other stuff and they just turned out like, nope, just keep it like this. We don't need to change it. This is perfect. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, when I was in high school, other teams, you would have like your little boom box and somebody would have it on cassette and you'd, be, <laughs> you'd play it for your intros sometimes and um, like dorky little high school versions of it. But right. yeah, just turning the lights off was something new. Yeah. 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 I don't know if they, if they were the first to do that, but yeah, it was, it was something else. That might have been like what, the thing I was looking forward to as much as anything going to a Bulls game was to actually see that in person and, sure. and see how loud it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the part I didn't get to see. I was sitting <laughs> on the road. So, um, and how do you remember? So I don't really remember this much at the time. You know, so so obviously this this team that they're going to focus the documentary on is the last one that the uh, the last championship of the Bulls and Michael retired after it and. But the whole the whole team went away. I mean, I mean the, the next year there was right there was no Pippen, there was no Phil Jackson as coach. Um, Dennis Rodman went to the Lakers. No Jordan Rodman went away. I mean, how was it? Was it all just hinging on Jordan, and then they they just decided to blow the whole thing up? You know, I um, which in some ways makes sense, but it, it's weird because when you look back historically, you go, oh yeah, of course he's going to hit that last shot against Utah, and obviously that was the final shot of his career and then he retired but he didn't actually retire that so that's in june he didn't retire until the following january he was so in hindsight it looks like okay of course that's what had to happen but phil jackson um obviously jerry Krause was um really good at making everybody who worked for him disgruntled and that is a tradition the bulls have tried to carry on every year since <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah i just i was when i was living down in chicago for six years even the derrick rose years Especially later, obviously, obviously, as he just kept getting hurt. But it just the Bulls have a heavy feeling around them. Of I guess Pat, I guess uh, John Paxton learned that from yeah. From <laughs> um, it just doesn't seem like pe- like Bulls players like the Bucks. They all seem to have a ton of fun. They all seem that that organization ha- seems to have a lot of fun going to work every day. And the Bulls just mm-hmm. it just seems like a grind and just just seems like heavy on all those guys. Um, but yeah, they traded so Kraus traded Pippen for Roy Rogers. I see here. That's what it was. Um, that was the sign in trade. That that was the trade for for Pippen. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that and looks the, even worse. Yeah, yeah. And who was released like after a year? Um, just full on released. Couldn't even get anything for him. I mean, obviously Pippen came back at some point later. Yeah. Which yeah you know, was was. Well, I guess it was nice a, a nice to see, but I mean it's on some pretty bad bad teams. But well, yeah, I mean, that's that's. That's a big miss by Cross there. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of a miss. Well, Jackson, <laughs> Phil Jackson leaves like a week after the season and because he and Kraus just hated each other basically the whole time. That's a really interesting thing about that whole Bulls run. By the second yeah. championship season, Pippen and Kraus and Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, 
hate each other because Pippin signs like a six year, $18 million contract. And by like the third year, he is one of the top seven or eight players in the league. And he's paid, he's like the 140th highest paid player in the league. And the Bulls re- absolutely refuse, even in this rare occurrence, to tear up the contract. They don't even renegotiate Michael Jordan's contract. So Jordan, for most of his career, is incredibly underpaid at like $4 million a year. And then even, yeah. I was just reading this, when, so he comes back that first year and he plays for $4 million again. When that next year he signs for $30 million, and Reinsdorf was still kind of an ass about it. He said, I'm going to regret paying you this forever. And it was wow. like, even then it was obvious that Jordan was worth all that money and more. But here's a crazy thing. Like nobody got paid $30 million a year in the NBA again for like 20 years. That's how valuable. Yeah. That's how valuable Jordan was. <laughs> he yeah. was that much ahead of his time. Um, but yeah, Pippen is underpaid all that time. So he's pissed off and hates yep. Kraus. Jordan nicknames Kraus crumbs because he's always got crumbs on his <laughs> yeah. suit. And, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, and he kicked him off the team bus. And then Kraus has that stupid comment saying, like, players don't win championships, organizations win championships. Yep. And yep. it's it's not as bad as it sounds because what he was trying to he was trying to give credit to everybody, but he was also trying to take a little bit away from MJ and Scotty. And so of course that goes wrong and rubs all the teammates wrong the whole way. Then you have Dennis Rodman in the mix who I mean, who do you who do you compare Rodman to today? <laughs> Um, you know, I, today, I don't know. I was, who's, who's the guy, this is, so I'm, you know, I'm old. I, I'm, I'm thinking of somebody from like 10 years ago. Uh, what's his name? The Pistons, who was just a great defender and great Rasheed defender. Wallace. Rasheed. Yeah. No, Rasheed. Or Ben Wallace. Um, Ben Wallace. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. And so that's not even today's NBA, but that's, well, that's the, that's the closest guy I can think as of. As a player, but as a dist- like. Oh. I mean, OBJ doesn't like Odell Beckham. Some people think he's like a distraction. I mean, that's not even, that's nothing. No, like, no, yeah, no, I, I couldn't, you know, personality wise. It's yeah. He was, he was one of a kind. It is amazing. I mean, they, I, I, I remember when they signed him, I mean, they thought there was so many writers who thought that it was just the, it was not a good move. It was not a good move. This guy's a malcontent. He's not going to, he's not going <clears> to <throat> work well in the, in the locker room and, um, and obviously he, he and Pippen had gotten into it. I don't know if it was personal back when the bad boys, you know, versus the bulls. Oh yeah. Um, uh, between the two, maybe it was, <laughs> but they, they seem to somehow be able to put that behind him as well. Yeah. That is crazy. Cause Robin was like public enemy number two. Cause Bill Lambeer was number one, but yeah, yeah. Right. And then he comes to the bulls and he's crazy. Kicks yeah, cameraman, dyes his hair. Right. The Bulls are a totally conservative organization, and somehow they just decide, all right, we're just going to let him do his thing as long as he shows up and does his, does his thing on yeah. the court. Um, yeah, that's one of those things in hindsight. It looks, you know, it's like, of course, of course we did that, you know, but it was not at the time. It, there, was, there was a lot of people who were criti- critical of that move. Um, and somehow it worked. But like, all the, yeah. it's so weird that like there wasn't even a slow, like, okay, the guys hung on a couple of years. They were all gone the next year. By the time the Bulls took the court again, it was just a shell. And yeah, it's, it's interesting that Jordan waited so long because I do think as much as he had said, like, I'll never play for anybody, but Phil Jackson. And then Phil announces he was leaving and Jordan doesn't retire right away. And he hangs around and yeah, hangs around. I didn't know that. And I think he was still waiting to see if maybe Scotty would be back. And if Rodman, like, I think he might've been thinking, all right, we have a shortened season. 
Like we could make a run at this. That would have been perfect uh-huh. for that for that Bulls team at that time to have a 45 game season would have been ideal because they were getting older. Um, they had run out of gas that last year. That gave them an extra six month break. Jordan and Pippen were like ahead of their time in ter- time, terms of uh, staying in shape. When the rest of the yeah. league came into that next mm. season, they were just all everyone had put on 40 pounds and yeah. had a couple kids. But the like Jordan and Pippen might have been able to come in and just run through the league that year. I mean, heck, the the Latrell Sprewell Knicks went to the finals. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you look at that team. So I'm looking at the at the next year. You got Ron Harper, you got Tony Kukoc, and then the next biggest returnee is Bill Wennington from that team. <laughs> the star Brown, of the show. I don't I don't remember how much Randy Brown did uh, on those championship teams. Um or if he was even there. I don't I, I, I think he I, averaged like four how, four minutes a game or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how quickly they they overhauled that. Uh, I want to go back. You you mentioned the uh, the salary because I was just looking at that. You know, so, so Pippen Pippen was the sixth highest paid player on that team. It's <laughs> insane. And and, th- and, and Kukoc got more better. than him. I forgot about this. Yeah. Kukoc got a much bigger exactly. deal. Exactly. He had much bigger. And so that that had to be great on on Scotty and probably Michael too. So they were bringing this guy in and then paying him paying him handsomely. Well, I think. So yeah. I think Kukoc even made. He might have been the highest paid player. He might have been making more than Michael. Yeah, so I'm looking at 97, 98, but maybe before that, yeah, because Kukoc was making four and a half here in in 97, 98. Probably was making that most of those most of those first years. That was probably his first first deal. So Man. yeah, it's interesting how that how it goes. But yeah, Pippen. So what, what's your what's your thoughts on Pippen? There's a lot of folks who I I feel that think he's overrated, but he could also be looked at as underrated. Um, what do you what do you think of him as? as how, he, how he's rated. I think people who really, like he's probably doesn't get the credit he deserves in f- sort of like um, the popular culture. Like a, if you were, if you hadn't seen him play, if you if you were a little younger than us and you'd probably be like, well, look at his stats. He doesn't seem all that good. And yeah, it was Jordan's mm-hmm. show. And it was obviously Jordan's show, but the yeah. Pippen is maybe the best perimeter defender in the history of the NBA to yeah. this day. Yeah, um, again, the defense, yeah. And then offensively, the year Jordan retired, he probably, you could make a very good case that he was the MVP. I mean, the Bulls won 57 games. He averaged 25 a game. He was the all-star MVP. Um, yeah. He, he didn't have all those signature moments that a lot of all-time greats do, but I, I mean, I would probably put him in the top 25. I mean, he made oh, wow. the, the all-50 the all team, the all-50 year team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... I think as people look back, and in this documentary, it's going to be interesting. I think probably part of the reason Jordan finally gave the okay is probably to remind people, as as all the Kobe and Tim Duncan and um, LeBron James hype of the last few years, maybe just wants to remind people just <laughs> like how good that team was and how good he was. Um, and maybe Scotty will get some of that too. Um, I mean, the great part about this is they said, yeah, originally we, we got this and we were thinking seven, eight years ago of doing like a 30 for 30 where you'd have a 60 to 80 minute documentary. But then in 2016, you had the OJ and the making a murderer documentaries come out that were more like six to 10 episodes. And that's yeah. when they were like, actually, this is what we should do because there's so much material and it's okay. such yeah. a unique team. Yeah, there's so many, yeah, there's so many things to explore here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, Pippen, especially, I don't know if they'll, you know, they're focused supposedly on this season, but I mean, I, you know, you talked about when Jordan wasn't there for those two years and I remember those years, just as fondly. Like they were, those teams were so much fun. 
those two years or year and a half that Jordan wasn't there. And, and Pippen was amazing. Those teams were good. Yeah. And the teams were good without Jordan. And that one team potentially could have made the finals. if Was it Hugh Holland who had that bogus call against the Knicks yeah. in the playoffs? Yeah, Hubert Davis. Yeah. yeah. That was in, uh, I just looked at that yesterday. That was, uh, that was game five when, when, when Pippen got called that foul. And they took him to seven. So that was a seven-game series with the with the Knicks. So and to yeah, do, that was to that do that after lo- do losing it. the greatest player of all time is amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you looked at the like the the ownership dynamics of that team are like there's a ton of stories alone. The obviously Michael, obviously Scotty, but then Dennis Rodman could be a nine-part documentary of. I mean, he was dating Madonna. <laughs> he married himself. He like yep. McDonald's was selling cups that would have his hair change colors as you filled it with cola. Do you remember, yeah, they had that. Do you remember the billboard that I think they had to take yeah. down with, with Robin with different hair color? Yep, I remember that. Or something like that. And, and it was causing issues <laughs> with traffic flow. So they had to... Yeah, right on 94 there. there. It was... Uh, there's that one building, that brick building that goes right up to the highway. And I think it was painted on yeah, that building. Yeah, really close. Yeah, to, to 94 there. Yep. Um, and then you had... I mean, Phil Jackson is, I mean, he's written several books. He's like a fascinating guy. Um, mm-hmm. So he, yep. like, there's just so many guys you could do stories all on their own. And then you could just look at like the, the pop culture impact of that team. Because yeah, as popular as Lebr- LeBron is, as big a deal as the Golden State Warriors have been, like they, back in the day, they, they were just comparing those Bulls teams to the Beatles in terms of what yeah. happened when they came <laughs> into a city. Like that is wild. Yeah, yeah, they were a pop culture phenomenon, and so it'll be interesting too. I see Steve Kerr like on all the pro, you know the. I think there's like four or five players, you know, when you see the advertisement for them. Yeah, and, and Kerr is one of them, which which makes sense. It makes sense. He's a he's a figure now that uh, that everybody knows a lot a lot better, and um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see his his story. That's another one. Like That's he he, he gives some of the best interviews because um, he's such a thoughtful guy, and Steve Kerr's been like. He had to grow up so fast. I think it was his dad was murdered when he was in college at ASU. Um, yeah, yeah, he was in college. He was, and his dad was in Beirut, right? Yeah, the bombing there. Yep. Um, and so he he just has a different perspective on. He sees things differently than most players and most coaches. And I'll give this one thing about MB, why I love the NBA is the coaches in the NBA are the most like they're the smartest coaches in professional sports, I, I believe. And they're also like the most worldly in professional sports. Like I feel like NFL coaches, Ooh. they know football and just about nothing else. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, football I, coaches are definitely not the most worldly. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, NBA coaches just seem to have like a perspective on things outside of the arena that most other coaches don't. You don't see that from hockey coaches or, or baseball coaches, um, baseball managers. So, um, but Kerr is one of those guys. Like any, I, I could listen to, a 10 hour interview with like a guy like him or Greg Popovich or Brad Stevens and Phil Jackson's the same way. Um, right. But I forgot, and like it doesn't even have to be about basketball necessarily. Yeah. So Steve Kerr is on that team. Then he wins two more titles with the San Antonio Spurs. And then he wins three more with golden state. That's a pretty remarkable career for what is he like all of six foot two yeah. and yeah. has, has and one he, skill. He shoots the three. <laughs> uh, and so he had that, um, so I'm thinking of three different times at the end of a game where Jordan had the ball, you know, in the playoffs. Um, two of these, two of these were were championship winning games where where he passed he passed the ball, right? He got doubled, um, and so the first one obviously is when he passed it to Paxson. Was that against the Suns in the second 
second uh, championship. It passed and knocked, knocked, knocked that jumper down. Um, and then Kerr against Utah, I believe it was the, the first the first time against Utah. So yeah. the, the fifth championship, Jordan got doubled and, and threw it over to Kerr. Um, and it was one, the one other one I remember, I don't know if it was in a championship game, but it was in the playoffs. I, I remember him dishing it down to Horace. So it just, it just showed he trusted his teammates, right? That he, right. he wasn't just going to hoist up something that, you know, double covered fade away or whatever. He, he did pass in those situations and, and all the ones I remember, you know, they, uh, they buried the shot. You know what? That's probably a big differentiator between him and Kobe too. Like he, Kobe, Kobe yeah, launches some terrible that. shot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, one thing that those Bulls teams, it's funny because people are like, ah, oh, he didn't have a rival. Well, I, I don't think it's so much that he didn't have a rival. It's that, you know, the way that like the Celtics and Lakers just always squared off. I think like Jordan yeah. just broke the hearts of people so many times that they just faded away and then it would be like, all right, who's the next man up? So he beats the Lakers and Magic Johnson. Then he beats Clyde Drexler and just embarrasses him on a, a really good Blazers team that went, went to the finals yeah. twice in three years. Then he yeah, that was a good team. rips Barkley's heart out. And then the new kids with Sean Kemp and Gary Payton. Um, the one thing I do kind of wish looking back, I, I kind of wish that that Houston Rockets team with Barkley and Elijah might have been yeah. able to play. And I wish they would have squeaked through to play the Bulls. Yeah, what happened with what happened with them? I mean, they had their two good years when Jordan was out and they and they won the championship, but on on either side of that, they did not, you know, they never did face the Bulls and I don't remember how that went down. Yeah, they were just how they cuz there was a time when the Rockets were like talking about trading Elijah on right before they they went on that run and mm. those those two championship years, remember, they were only they weren't like a dominant team in the regular season. Um Yeah. But then in the in Jordan's comeback year, I think I think they like pushed Utah to game seven or game five in the, in the playoffs and then, then lost. Um, I think okay. Stockton hit a big three against them. I remember that. Like there was some big shot that Stockton hit where yeah, yeah, I, I just remember seeing Barkley's job. arms just drop like, Oh, come on. Like here's my <laughs> shot. But that was a, a uh-huh. Rockets team with Drexler, Barkley and Elijah one. Um, yeah. And then that and was kind of the last gasp was, of them. Okay. And now those, those are teams that, I mean, they had great guys who play, who just play excellent in the playoffs, right? Like, like, uh, Mario Ellie, were these Mario yep. Ellie and Robert Ori days? And Sam Cassell was huge in the playoffs back and then. Sam, and Sam Cassell was a big, yeah. Yeah. I was forgetting him. He was, he was huge. He, the, those, those guys played so well in the playoffs. It seemed. I'm trying to look up, uh, I'm trying to think of who like, cause I, I wish honestly that they, if they played Utah, I wish they only would have played them once because that Utah team, I just found like incredibly boring. Um, <laughs> So I'm trying to think of yeah, like, I'm like, yeah, those supersonics and the, and the, and the Blazers teams were much more entertaining. Yeah, I agree. Let's see who was in the West in that 97. Well, actually, you know what is another missed one is that the, uh, Shaq always choked in the playoffs those first like three years in LA because like a Shaq Kobe versus Michael in 97, 98 would have been great, but. Oh, wow. So the, I, I didn't even realize that that team overlapped the Lakers team. The Shaq overlapped, yeah. overlapped with this. So then, so the '97 Lakers went 56 and 26, and they just choked in the playoffs. Oh, wow. And then, uh-huh. so what year was that for Kobe? Was that second year, third year? That would have been, I think, maybe his second year, because he was yeah. uh, him and Garnett were this. Was he a year after Garnett? I think in the drafts, and Garnett was '95. Not the same. They were not the same year because Allen Iverson went first overall the year that Bryant was in the draft. 
I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was a year or two before with Garnett. And then, yeah, 98, the Supersonics were really good again. And the Lakers. So the 98, wow, Western Conference. Jazz were 62 and 20. Supersonics were 61 and 21. The Lakers were 61 and 21. The Suns, the Suns were 56 and 26. And I can't even remember who would have been on that Suns team. And the Spurs were 56 and 26 before, I think that's pre Tim Duncan. I think that's, um, yeah, that's probably David Robinson. I think, yeah. So, the, the, yeah, there's some bad teams then, too. I think, I think I was reading the Nuggets were really bad at that time because obviously there's some, somebody, some, some teams had to have some epically bad years to have that many teams have, have that many wins. Um, but yeah, there were just so many other interesting matchups I would have loved to have seen in those last two years, at, especially. But, I, I didn't mind seeing Carl Carl Malone have his heart ripped out either. So especially when Scotty, I, I still remember when Carl uh, Malone's at the free throw line in a clutch situation, and Scotty and Carl Malone's nickname, the Mailman. Scotty walks up to the line and just whispers in his ear, "The Mailman doesn't deliver on Sundays." And then Malone misses the free throw. <laughs> really, I don't <laughs> One of the that. Great little pieces of trash talk of all time. Uh huh. That's hilarious. Yeah, and so it's so. Malone had the ball stolen from him when in the in the end of the uh, the end of the sixth sixth championship the last year right yeah so so that that must have that must have graded on him yeah Jordan comes down for the for the layup with about forty five seconds left comes back down in the other end strips the ball from Malone and then comes down and nails the last shot yep that's right maybe the yeah, best watching. sequence in history of like yeah. just willing that team to victory mm-hmm. yeah that's right that's right and um. Yeah, Stockton, since Stockton missed the last last three. I was watching the last couple minutes of that game, and Stockton hit one big one, but he, he went one for three. Hmm. I think he took all the last three shots or something like that in that game, and he hit one of them. But well, we are wasn't enough. We have just crossed the one-hour mark, and uh, to, to both listeners who will make it this far, thank you. Um, <laughs> Keith, thanks for doing this with me. It was I, I can't think of anyone else who would be able to go through and, and remember so much of this on point and... Uh, and love it the way I do. So thanks for hopping on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for thanks for the invite. And uh, I, I'm looking forward to this uh, tomorrow night. All right. That was uh, me and Keith Puro talking Bulls basketball. Hope you liked it. Uh, hope there's a couple of Bulls fans out there who enjoyed um, the conversation and enjoy the documentary. It starts Sunday night on uh, ESPN. Um, next week, we'll be back with our Andrew Clyden. will be back here with me. And we'll be talking local news, the sustainability issue, Earth Day, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day is next week. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more news as the week progresses. Um, We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.